John chapter 6 is where we'll begin this morning. Y'all are aware that on Wednesday nights we are in the book of John and this past Wednesday Evan finished up John chapter 6. There's some things in here that I wanted us to take some time and look at today. Uh, just kind of following up on, on that class and expanding on some of the ideas that we see there and uh, talk through some of these things together. Look at John chapter 6 and in verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Verse 65. And he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. I'll go ahead and tell you, I'm, I'm going to draw on y'all's good knowledge of the the whole Bible this morning on, I guess, maybe several topics uh, or several points maybe would be a better way to put that. But um, there's this idea out there that you uh, that that Jesus or, or that God has selected beforehand those that are going to be saved. He has said, uh, "I'm choosing this person and this person, and not that one, and not that one, and not that one." And He's doing all of this work behind the scenes. He did this before uh, the world began, uh, and He's picking and choosing. And I think when you look at the totality of Scripture. Uh, this is a false idea. You know, in my mind, this uh, relates back and goes back to accountability and responsibility. So if I'm if I'm able to say, well, uh, you know, uh, God chooses who, and I have no uh, responsibility in that, I have no obligation in that. You have therefore transferred that over to someone else. In this case, transferring it over to God. And this is a very prevalent. Uh, thought or doctrine or mentality uh, is that you know God is just picking and choosing and so these are some passages and I just you know as we were studying through this again on Wednesday night I I noticed those and I've heard these come up in some conversations that I've had with others on this topic and uh, I thought maybe we would expand on some of those ideas this morning. Now I remember Evan in the class we get to verse you know you look there at verse 44 no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at the last day. And so, you know, if you just pluck that verse out, it looks like the Father is doing all the work. The Father's just drawing him. There's no, there's no, there's nothing really past that. And then, of course, if you just pluck verse 65 again and you put those two together, that's exactly what it looks like here. Look at verse 45. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Hold your hand there in chapter 6 and uh, go to Romans. Romans chapter uh, 10. Romans chapter 10 and in verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing uh, by the word of God. And so, um, you know, how do we come about this faith? Uh, is hearing the word, uh, the word uh, coming, coming to us and us having faith in it. 
Look at verse 63 of John chapter 6. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Verse 68. But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so here, you know, Peter is saying here, you have the words of eternal life. Chapter 6 and in verse 16. Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but but his who sent me. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. And so, you know, you don't have to look far uh, in my mind to see very clearly that there's some responsibility somewhere else. So uh, he's telling us, Peter says that, or even Jesus himself says that the Words that I speak to you are spirit and life. So the doctrine, what he's saying, that has power. That has spirit. Uh, I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. There's life in them. Uh, And then Peter follows up there and says, you have the words of eternal life. So it's through these words uh, that we are able to understand how to be saved. There's power in the gospel. Uh, And then in in chapter 7, you know, he says, "If anyone wills to do his will." So, if I have, if I have that, uh, if I have that will that I want to do the Father's will, then I'm going to know. Specifically, he's saying he shall know concerning the doctrine. You're going to know whether it is uh, from God or whether I speak of my own authority. So, you're going to know if I'm from God uh, or not. Is what Jesus is saying there. If you will to know, if you're trying to know, if that if that uh, is what you're looking to do, you're going to know that. Let's let's uh, look a little bit uh, further in our Bibles about this. The words being, uh, you know, Jesus is attaching here uh, that the words, his doctrine, what he speaks, that has life. Let's look at some other passages in Scripture that talk about that. Acts eleven. Acts chapter ten is the story of Cornelius that we are uh, familiar with, uh, and then. Chapter 11 is Peter retelling the story of Cornelius. Um, so that's the context of what of where we are. And I'm going to just pick up there in verse 13 of chapter 11. And he told us, that being Cornelius, how he had seen an angel standing in his house who said to him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and your household will be saved. And so here again... Uh, you see who will tell you words by which you and your household will be saved, the power being in the message, the power uh, being in the gospel. Romans 1. Romans 1 and in verse 16. This is, of course, Paul speaking here. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as is written, the just shall live by faith. And so, uh, what's Paul say here? He says that the, uh, he's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Uh, why? For it is the power of God to salvation. So through uh, the gospel, through the good news of Christ, there's power uh, to salvation. Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. 
and then verse 26. Ephesians 5, and then verse 26. Let's start in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and he gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. And so, you know, this comparison of uh, Christ and the church and what he's done. You go to Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4 and in verse 12. We're talking about the power, uh, that the message, the power that the word of God has, the power... Uh, that it has to save. You go to Hebrews 4 and in verse 12, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. John 17 and verse 17, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is true. So if you, if you kind of think about all that's been said, you look at what Jesus says there in John 6, what Peter follows up and says, Jesus is saying uh, the words, his words are life. Uh, he also says in John chapter 17 uh, that, um, well, I flipped away from there, but sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. So, uh, you know, the message that's from God is truth. Uh, there's power. Peter says there that he has the words to eternal life. Uh, look at think about back to what Peter says about what uh, Cornelius there that those words are to eternal life. The message that he's given to them that's the power. Uh, and where are we getting that? Who who plays the biggest role in that? That's that's the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that that's that's revealing these things. That's giving uh, these things to the apostles. Uh, and in my mind, this, this passage here in Hebrews is very powerful. For the Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing in the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrows, and discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So it's the, the, the words, the message of God has this power, has this power to uh, dig deep down within each of us, all of us, and, and really get down... Um, down to the thoughts and intents of the heart. So it gets down to, to who we are and, and what we are. So the question is, I think at least it is for me, is who who is going to listen? So, uh, you know, if you go back to uh, what I was saying at the beginning about this idea, this prevalence of this, this doctrine of, you know, God's just picking and choosing, uh, who, who's going to listen to the message? Who, who are the people that are going to believe that word? Who are the people that are going to be saved uh, by that message? You know, I think about Peter, and we said this in the class on Wednesday night, that, you know, did Peter fully understand? you got to go back and think about what Peter says there in John 6. You know, he tells him, uh, Jesus, first of all, asks, you know, he has a bunch of people leave from him uh, when he talks about this uh, drinking his blood and eating his flesh. And Jesus asked him, the, the twelve, this question, do you also want to go away? This is in verse 67. Verse 68. Verse 68 uh, says, uh, this is Peter's response, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. 
Also, we have come to believe and to know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know, and we said on Wednesday night, do we think that Peter really fully understood everything he said here? Uh, and our response was no. I, I don't think he did. I don't think he... He, he knew enough. You know, he, he, he knew that he had enough information at this point to know, uh, to make this claim. I believe that. Uh, but did he, did he understand uh, the message that he was going to deliver in Acts 2? Did he understand fully about Cornelius? No. Did he understand uh, the power of the word fully to save Jew and Gentile? No. Uh, I don't think he understood any of those things. But, I, in my mind, this goes back to faith. So if you think about, uh, you can go ahead and turn to Hebrews 11, but if you think about uh, the, the men of faith that we read about uh, in the Bible, you think about Abraham leaving Ur of Chaldees. Did he, did he know everything that was to transpire? Did he understand those promises fully that God had made to him? The answer to that is no. But that's the faith that God's looking for. He's saying, I've given you enough information. I've given you enough to know. Think back to John 6, what we uh, had studied there. He just got done feeding the 5,000. So he, he's saying, uh, Jesus is saying, you have enough information to know who I am and that I'm not just a regular man. Uh, I am the Savior. And so Peter does make this claim rightfully. He knows uh, to some level what this is. And it requires faith on our part because we're not going to understand everything. We're not going to know everything. We're not going to be able to piece all of our questions together. But God has given us enough. Hebrews 11, beginning in verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And so, you know, he's telling us here that this faith uh, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So it's, it's the belief in things that I can't, I can't touch. I can't hold in my hand, but I believe them to be true. Uh, he says, for by this faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. Uh, and then if you go to verse 6, he says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So he's telling us here that, you know, it requires faith to be pleasing to God, that we're not going to be, we're not going to please him if we don't believe uh, that he is, so that God is who he says he is, and that he can reward me if I diligently seek him. So if I follow him, if I am obedient to him, I have to believe that he's going to carry through on his promise, that he is going to, going to reward me in the end and again i told you i was going to uh, appeal to your knowledge of, of of the word you know think back to the jews and jesus's interactions with them through the gospels uh what's what's kind of a common theme there he's saying you know you know or you ought to know you got the old testament moses testifies of me uh the old testament speaks to me the prophets uh, look to me. You have all this. You have enough information to know who I am. And so he's saying, but but you're not willing. Um, go to Luke 16. Luke 16. Let's 
This is the story of the rich man and Lazarus beginning in verse 19. We're going to pick up in verse 27. This is the rich man speaking here. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded that one rise from the dead. I think this is a message we need to understand. He's telling them, Abraham um, is telling him, the rich man, your brothers have enough. Just like Jesus has told the uh, the Jews. You've got enough to know. You've got Moses and the prophets. Uh, let them hear them. He says, but no, Father Abraham, if somebody comes back from the dead, they'll repent. I'm confident in that. Abraham says, no, they won't. If they don't hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded they wouldn't rise from the dead. And so, um, you know, if you go to John 5, and you can hold your hand there in Luke if you want to, just to refer back to it. But John 5, Jesus basically says the same thing. Uh, you know, telling us that, you know, what he's given is sufficient. John 5 and in verse 44, How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? Do not think that I came that that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accused you, Moses, in whom you trust. For if you believe Moses, you will believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? So here again, he's a, Jesus is appealing back to the Old Testament, you know, telling them, uh, if you're not going to hear Moses, you're not going to hear me. Uh, telling them they, they don't have that faith or that heart that is required uh, to believe in him. And then I have to think, okay, uh, they had the Old Testament, and what do I have? We've got old and new. Jesus has already died on the cross. Uh, he's been raised from the dead. Uh, I've got Acts. I've got all the stories there. I've got all the epistles. And then uh, what does that mean for us? You know, if we're not going to have the faith required, if we're not going to have the faith in Him, and his word, uh, you know, and I think about what kind of a kind of a message do I send to God when I doubt, uh, when I don't have that faith that he expects me to have, and he's done so much more than he's done. We're, we're reading here, Jesus is still alive at this point in, in all these gospels that we're reading in, and he's telling them, you have enough. Uh, Abraham is telling the rich man, you know, your brothers have Moses, uh, you know, so if they're not going to hear that, uh, they're not going to make it. Uh, how much more of a weight does that put on our shoulders that all of this has been done on our behalf? We ought to know. We ought to have the faith in Him to believe that He's going to re- reward us uh, if we seek Him. Next thing I, I really think about, uh, you know, I guess in my own mind when I when I think about these things, uh, I guess maybe challenge myself is, you know, am I truly the person that I need to be that the Scriptures talks about that's going to believe Him, that's going to have the faith in Him, um, that's going to submit my will to Him. And I, I really believe uh, that this comes down 
uh, to uh, our attitude in our heart. Where are we at in that? We just read here, and you might still be in John 5. Um, John 5, let's begin in verse 43 again. Let's start in verse 42, I'm sorry. But I know you that you do not have the love of God in you. Back in verse 42. But I know you that you do do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, how will you receive? Him you will receive. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? He's getting at their heart right here. If you look, look at what he's telling them in verse 44. How can you believe? That's what he starts out with here. You know, this is a question. How in the, you know, I, I take this as how in the world can you? Because you're looking to receive honor from one another. That's what you're looking to do. That's why you can't believe. But if you, uh, he's telling them here, but you do not seek the honor that comes from the only God. So their priorities are out of line. They're looking to receive honor from one another. They're looking to pat each other on the back. They're looking to uh, receive honor from men. And they're not looking to be honored by God. And so that's, that's internal to them. That's, that's an internal problem. That's a heart problem. That's me uh, looking to receive honor here. That's pride. James 4. James chapter 4 and in verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5 beginning in verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. And so, uh, it's going to require my heart being in the right spot. I'm not going to be... Uh, able to receive those words that lead to eternal life if my heart is not right, if I'm not willing to submit my own will, if I'm not willing to have the faith in Him uh, that I should. And self-deception is real. You know, I, um, when, I, when I think through these things, I, I think, you know, okay, uh, I want to have this heart I want to have the faith in Him that I should. I understand that He's given me enough information to make the right conclusions, to draw the right conclusions. Uh, and then, you know, I try to, uh, the best I can be to be humble, to submit my will, to not uh, seek honor from men, but seek honor from Him. But at the end of the day, it still <laughs> all the burden still falls back on me. It's not God out there picking and choosing. It's it's me. It it I have to be the one uh, to make the right right decisions. Go to James one and verse twenty one. Passage that you're very familiar with. James one beginning in verse twenty one. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer. He is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. 
For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks in the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. And so... I guess that's a challenge for each and every one of us to to strive to overcome or beat in our own lives, in our own heart, is to make sure that we're we're not that person that um, is deceiving ourselves. We're not that person that's uh, prideful uh, and not submitting our will uh, to Him. I'm gonna read one more passage out of Psalms one nineteen. Psalms 119, and you know I told you that um, I was going to appeal to your to your knowledge of, of scriptures. You know, we've brought a, I guess maybe I've brought a lot of things into uh, discussion or into your thoughts uh, this morning. Uh, you know about you know uh, seeking Him and uh, how to really how to be saved. Where is the power uh, for us? Where do we look? Uh, and really, the message is we look to His Word. Uh, his words uh, have the power uh, lead to eternal eternal life, and so that's what we need to to look to. Uh, I forget who somebody read this in here not long ago, and uh, there's a passage that has kind of stuck with me since. Verse one sixty of Psalms one nineteen. It's a, a lot of verses in this chapter, but Psalm one nineteen and verse one sixty. The entirety of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. And I really think about the beginning of this verse. The entirety of your word is truth. You know, and so when we come to discussions like this here in John six, uh, in my mind, this is one of these spots where you know it, it, it takes uh, it, it takes a knowledge of the scriptures. You know, you've got to understand who God is. You got to uh, kind of have a, a at least a basic knowledge beginning to end. Uh, really to understand and grasp uh, some of the things in his word, but uh, he's tasked each and every one of us with that. Uh, and that I think that goes back to our willingness to uh, believe him and have the faith in him that we should and diligently seek him as we talked about there in Hebrews 11. Finishing up a little early. I don't see anybody complaining. But that's all I have uh, this morning for us to think about. Like I say, I was thinking about this as we were going through John chapter 6 as Evan was teaching through there, uh, doing uh, such a fabulous job teaching through John 6. And I've been enjoying that study uh, here on Wednesday nights through the book of John. But uh, just wanted to bring those things uh, maybe uh, to rem- to your remembrance and think about those things together and let's... As we go about this next week, let's strive to uh, really have the faith in Him that we should. Remember that His words, His message, His doctrine, uh, that is what uh, has the power to save us, and we need to uh, be mindful of that. If there's any way that we can help you this morning, we'd ask that you come forward as we stand and sing.